I want to go watch that movie now. I do too. Uh, Ooh, movie day? <laughs> Welcome to Flipping Off, a purpose driven podcast about flipping houses and making a difference. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I got really silent and just watched everybody look at me like, oh God, it's silent. People don't know what to do with the silence. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Flippin' Off podcast. Melina Boswell here, uh, co-founder of New Wealth Advisors Club. And today uh, in the studio, I have my guys with me again. It's always Melina and the guys. I don't know. feel like we should. Anyway, so Frank Luna. Hello. Is that all? That's all you got? Hello, everybody. How are you doing? Oh, okay. That's good. <laughs> what if they can't? Hi, Tim. Hi, Oscar. Oh. Melina. John. Hi. Amir. The corner, I don't know that. Josh, Josh in the back. Josh, Josh. In the back. I have Oscar Solaris. <laughs> Hola, buenos dias. Uh, Tim Wilkinson. Hi. <laughs> well, and John Slater. Good morning. Good morning. All right, and um, Amir. Hi. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome, guys. Uh, today we're talking about – we're just kind of continuing the conversation uh, that we recorded last time about just the changes and the softening of our market, our real estate market. And we kind of teased you guys a little bit uh, by saying, you know, you need to be diversified. And what does it look like to have diversification inside of a market that is shifting? And it was we started speaking about it afterward and said, you know, it's not just like maybe diversifying the way that we're used to in the in the traditional sense, right? Diversifying your assets, so putting your assets into different things. We're speaking specifically about diversifying your real estate strategies. So we wanted to talk a little bit today about what some of those strategies are, but I, I think that in order to get there, we need to start out with some very uh, basic information, some basic facts. So there's certain truths inside of real estate investing that never change, right? So for example, as real estate investors, our goal is to buy low, right? sell high, and then the in-between is what we call spread, and that's where you, you know, it's where all your dreams come true. That's what I always say. Uh, and so in that, in that, there's also another conversation that I have consistently and constantly with my students, which is this, that when you buy low, that's your acquisition, and you always make your money on your acquisition, right? And then you get paid on your exit. So the paycheck actually comes on the exit. But if you don't buy right, then you end up in a bad situation. And that's where most people end up failing as real estate investors is because all they're looking to do is acquire the property. And there's this miss, I believe, especially inside uh, newbies or new, new investors mindset. And I think a lot of it has to do with all of the commercialism that's you know happening around real estate investors. And I was talking to somebody the other day and they said, you know, it's a surefire fact that we're getting ready to enter into a, a down market is that everybody's a real estate investor coach right now. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody's a coach. And when everybody's a coach, then you know the market is like in serious trouble. I see some people that barely <laughs> I barely trained not that long ago calling themselves a real estate coach, which is fantastic. I say, may all your dreams come true. God bless you. I hope that works. But the reality is that real estate investing is not something to take lightly. There is risk involved. There is inherent risk in any kind of investment that you decide to get yourself into. It's not just taking an ugly house and making it pretty and then making 40 grand in 30 minutes and it gets recorded on HGTV. That is all awesome. I'm totally good with that um, kind of business model. But if, if I, I believe 
believe that our audience are people that are really doing real estate that are out there like grinding it out. This business is very, very simple, but it's not easy, right? If it were easy, everybody would do it. And there's certain times in the market, I think, that are much, much easier, right? So, you know, we experienced this. I still have people that walk into the office and say this to me. Oh, I, I was doing so great, you know, in 2004, 2005, and I lost everything in 2008. And I know the reason that that happened is because people were not truly informed and educated on real estate. You know, it was one of those times where if you bought a property, especially in California, you would you could buy a property and one year later it would go up in equity and then all of a sudden you'd have all this money and then you could do that again over and over and over. And based on that model, people called themselves real estate investors. And we know that's not the truth. That is um, just lucky, right? And riding the market. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's completely okay. Except that when the market goes down, what do you do then? So you have to prepare and be able to look ahead and look forward and not be too greedy, I think, people, you know, and, and keep your keep your common sense about you. We're talking about building a business here that's a real business, uh, and it's, it's really no different, frankly, than um, kind of, you know, owning a job in lots of ways. We just happen to be real estate investors. And so we thought today we would talk about the different strategies that you utilize inside of real estate. So if the idea is you make your money on your acquisition and you get paid on your exit, what changes when the market changes? So who wants to, who wants to talk about that? What changes when the market changes out of that, right? We make our money on our acquisition, we get paid on our exit. What shifts? Does the acquisition shift? I don't think the acquisition shifts, but the the exit definitely shifts mm-hmm. right so like you were saying you initially initially the thought is i'm going to rehab this house and i'm going to sell it so my spread is my spread and i know what i'm going to make when it's done mm-hmm. now it's well my spread may not be as big but over time it could be so now i step into a, a solid acquisition amount that still leaves a little bit of a spread there mm-hmm. so i have some equity built in mm-hmm. but I, i'm going to go for a longer term now maybe it's two years maybe it's five years maybe it's 10 years it depends so your acquisition still matters right? the acquisition is still important and it's really still where you make your money yep. it's just now what am i going to do in between acquisition and sale right. right and that's really where the dynamics shift and then when am i going to sell mm-hmm. right? it's no longer in six months mm-hmm. it may be in 12 it may be 24 maybe 36 it just depends on on the acquisition so right you could also so like for example you know one of the things that we talk about a lot inside of our club is you know basic exit strategies right are i would say in the last five years, I'm just going to say the last five years, um, that's when most of us, you know, have been really active in the market. The number one um, exit strategy has been what for you guys? Like, what do you think you've done? I'm, you probably know. I'm sure you know. Like, you, I'm sure you know your numbers. So you probably know. Has it been more? Like, what? What? What is that? What's well, been your main exit strategy? For me, it was it was definitely rehabbing and selling. Right. So it was selling to a retail customer. Mm-hmm. So buying, fixing, flipping. Backs, yep. Yep. Five, fix, flip. Right. So, and Tim, what about for you? Uh, mostly wholesale. Right. Only recently, um, maybe the last year and a half, uh, to maybe two years, have I spent any time in the rehab uh, section. But most up until then, it was mostly just wholesaling out to somebody like Oscar. Right. Right. So, and that's interesting, isn't it? So, and, and now let me ask you this. Does that change when the market shifts? <laughs> That's a good question. Right? I don't. I don't think. It, <laughs> I, I really don't think it shifts. Um, for me, what I my initial thought when you said um, what changes, right? If we we buy low, sell high, and we get paid in the middle, 
uh, by that spread. At the bare minimum, what changes is um, just the time frame. Mm. Are we going to fix and flip this in 30 days or are we going to fix this, hold it, rent it, cash flow it, do something else with it for the next year, 10 years and then sell it and get a big uh, equity check at the end? Mm -hmm. So that's um, from a, from a non-strategy standpoint, um, that's really the basics of what changes is just the time frame mm-hmm. as far as – if I'm looking to do a deal right now, I want to be in that position where I'm holding that property. Mm-hmm. But if I was still wholesaling, then that shift that doesn't change anything for me. It just changes maybe my buyer because maybe I'm not going to wholesale to Oscar who wants to rehab it because mm-hmm. uh, that doesn't work for Oscar. But maybe now you can wholesale to me because I want to be in that market of of staying in the, for the long haul and cash flowing it and running other businesses in there. Oh, that's so exciting. I don't know. I get chills. Does anybody else get chills? Like I'm so excited for the market that's coming right now. For me personally, like I'm so looking forward to uh, what's what's happening inside the market. I feel like every time, you know, I I always say I love, hate real estate, right? Because I I love real estate, but I, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily like all of the red tape that goes into real estate, but I really do love homes. And so I really can walk into a property and I, I, I experience something in every single property that I walk in and and I love the idea of uh what what I what I feel when I walk inside of a property you know properties, houses have energy. They really do. And so some houses have like great energy and not all houses do. So I make, I know it sounds ridiculous, but sometimes I'll make a decision on whether I want to keep a house based on the energy that I sense when I walk in. I'll walk in and I'll say, oh, I can, I can see this, this and that. That's what happened to me with your, with the property that you guys have in downtown Riverside. I walked in, I was like, this house is so great. There's so many great things about this house. Um, I've also walked into beautiful homes and said, uh, this is a gorgeous home, but I can't stand the way it feels. Like the energy for me is just not, is not good. So I just, I'll get, get out of it. So, um, so for me personally, the idea of having a longer term exit strategy is exciting because the energy of houses really means something more, right? Does that make sense? And I don't know if that just happens. I think it just happens with time. Walking into so many houses, walking into so many properties, and you just feel things, you see things that maybe you wouldn't have seen that long ago, right? Does that make sense? So what um, – let's talk a little bit about the number one strategy that, that we are focusing on right now. Should we share with everybody what we're thinking about right now? Yeah. There, yeah. All right. So who wants to talk about it? One of y'all. Somebody. Everybody look at each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. uh, I, we're, Go ahead. we're all looking at air – Doing Airbnb, we're all, mm-hmm. we're all looking at rentals. That. Yep. I'm, yeah. on a, I'm on a list I'm, of properties that are coming in that are potential Airbnb. I've been doing all this research. Um, <clears throat> one of my properties that I have in the market actually have rented out the room through Airbnb uh, four times now. So there's a market for it without really even trying. Uh, yeah, I guess I didn't. You know, not. I mean, I didn't know what I was, without even really knowing what I was doing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was simple enough to set up the app, right. the Airbnb app. That was easy, right? Right, and uh, <laughs> I, I definitely needed uh, some help from my wife to come in and and decorate and make the room look like mm-hmm. I, no, I never did anything like that before. So, right. uh, once we started doing that, I realized um, that's actually a lot of work. You know, yes. it's not it's not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's potential, but it, it's not um, as easy as maybe some of the um, 
YouTube or infomercials, like people are selling stuff to make it sound so simple, but there's a lot of work to put in. I mean, you're, you have a, um, clients coming in nightly, mm-hmm. two nights at a time. You got to clean up. You have to make sure all the stuff, you have to meet them, check in, check out, make sure they didn't steal anything. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that goes into this. So, um, having inventory to uh, replenish whatever they used up or stole, you, <laughs> you know, uh, right. <laughs> getting a tracking device on some stuff. Yeah. But uh, there's a lot to it. There's, it, it's not simple, but, um, it's definitely going to be worth it. I, I can see the the returns. Just getting a system and knowing what to expect, you know, the pitfalls. There's definitely some of those, um, but I'm excited about that. Yeah, for me, what, what Tim? What uh, Tim say? Why are you shaking hand at me, Tim? He's Just, laughing. I'm laughing because Frank is funny. Yes, <laughs> and um, it totally and totally made me think of. Uh, Somebody renting Frank's room and taking off with the monogram, um, the the monogram robe and the <laughs> and the towels like like any other hotel room, you know. <laughs> that's so funny. That's that's exactly you pictured it right. 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 <laughs> well, you know, one of the things to be thinking about, like for short term rentals, and I know you say Airbnb, and I, there's a lot of other ways to market. Uh, your short-term rentals, but I know there's there's competition out there, mm-hmm. right? So you, what the, one of the biggest questions is, what are you going to do? Like, what what sets your property uh, aside from everybody else's property that are out there? So if somebody's looking to come to Riverside, for example, and they need to, they look at Airbnb versus a hotel, right? Like, what are the things that they're looking for? You, you know, we had a conversation about this, right? Mm-hmm. And and I agree completely that it's. It's not just a place to sleep. No. It's a it's a an experience, mm-hmm. right? So you have to be able to really give them an experience that uh, we'll say uh, touches all their senses, right? Yes. So there's stuff they can look at. There's artwork that they can purchase. Mm-hmm. There's things that are going to be there available to them, and also right, you, Riverside is an example where you grew up in Riverside, so you yes. know the, the city really well. Yes. So yeah, let's market that. Let's use that. Let's let's present to them what they should do in Riverside, mm-hmm. what the attractions are where they should go eat, those types of things, right? So now their experience is, is that much better. That coupled with what Frank was talking about of providing the right things, right, mm-hmm. uh, right uh, supplies and mm-hmm. so forth for people to, to use. So I think it's definitely an experience, and that's going to let the word spread out, right, yes. and, and bring them back and, and return customers. And it's always, right, any business, return customers is, is it's, you know, we talk about first money. First money is the first time they show up. Right. Second money is always easier, right, because they already experienced it. As long as you did it right, mm-hmm. second money is, is cake. That's exactly right, yeah. And I don't know, I'm I'm a big, big fan of short-term rentals, and I've spent quite a bit of time in them because I, I like to drive. <laughs> so I, I'm, like, truly that person, like, the beginning of this year, I just went on. I think I drove... Um, I want to say it was like, um, was 3,500 miles, like in a a span of like, I don't know, uh, six weeks, something like that. Not very long. Um, I drove a lot and I love that. I really, and so I'm the person that'll be driving down the 15 freeway and be like, I need to, I'm going to stop in uh, some like crazy place and I'll pull up my Airbnb app and I'll be looking for like the, the coolest place that I can find. I don't necessarily care that it's the nicest, but I'm looking for a real experience. So if I'm somewhere between California and Idaho, for example, I could be hitting in Arizona and Utah and Nevada, uh, and, and I want to have an experience in those places. And so I did a lot of that. So I have, I have stayed in a lot of Airbnbs. And so I know 
what is what I think is important and what isn't important and what it and I and I know immediately as soon as I can tell by looking at somebody's ad I have a general idea um, and I think one of the things that frustrates me the most is when people um, I think they false advertise right mm-hmm. they you know we just experienced this we just stayed in an Airbnb a couple yeah. weeks ago right Oscar mm-hmm. and it was like oh yeah Johnny pictures were awesome oh. yep yeah we all left with like nasty flea bites and like it was bad so we had fun well, we always have fun, of course. It's not going to ruin our time. However, that'll be a place I will never, ever, ever go back to. So I'll be back in that city for sure to stay, but I will never rent that house again ever mm-hmm. because it was an awful experience. So, uh, and the location was fine, but I don't really care. I'd rather stay further, you know, from because this was supposedly on the beach, but it was so like dirty that you couldn't even experience the ocean. Mm-hmm. So there's things like that, that maybe then this house has the unbelievable potential because of where it's located. But the way the owner set up the entire rental process was awful. Everything was broken. Um, as soon as we walked in, you know, um, and, and this is like one of the things, you know, so we walked in and went to open up the shade. The moment we touched the shade, the whole shade fell. And then there was this panic moment. Oh my God, the shade fell. We obviously didn't do anything to it. So you you have this moment of panic, like, oh gosh, they're going to blame us for the shade being broken. But it was clearly broken when we walked in there. So you don't want your, your guests to experience that because you don't take care of your things, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Because now you're un- we were uncomfortable so that it was like, shoot, take pictures of everything, like document everything, make sure the date and time is on there right now so that they can see Rather than just everything being fixed and – or if there is a problem stating, hey, by the way, the shades don't work. We know that. We're in the process of getting them fixed. But that would put me as a, as a renter at ease, mm-hmm. right? So if I'm spending $400, $500 a night, I, I don't want to have a shade fall at the touch of my hand, yeah. right? Yeah. So in terms of diversification, we think that short-term rentals are great. Uh, and the potential there. There's so much to know about short-term rentals, right? How you the planning that you do. So, like I know Frank, you've been doing a lot of research. What are what are the things like the numbers? Maybe for example, that what what are the what are the like basic facts that you need to have in order to set up a, a short-term rental? What would that be? Can you give me a couple? Well, if I'm gonna be paying a mortgage, obviously I need to know if I rent this thing out, will it cash flow? Mm-hmm. Most of the short-term rentals will definitely cash flow mm-hmm. just because of the nature of it. Now, when I'm looking at um, city to city, all of the different um, occupancy rates, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's there's busy seasons where it's 100% occupied. Sure. And then there's time where it's not. So what, I, what I'm seeing is the best ones are, are literally like 50% occupied mm-hmm. across the, the whole year. And, um, and Which it's better than that. Mm-hmm. Is great, but what you that I think is your minimum you're looking for. If you're going to mm-hmm. do a vacation rental, you want to see fifty percent occupancy, and that'll co- that'll cover you. It, you start there's markets where I'm seeing like thirty percent, sure, and I want to avoid that. So um, there's that in the numbers. So once we get past that, now you have to set up the room right, and there's. I don't know if you guys know this. I'm not a detailed person. No. <laughs> so I, you know, just like little things. I'm like, uh, Kathy's like, um, this is their room and there's no shades up. I'm like, what do they need shades for? I yeah. go in the bathroom. She's like, well, they're going to sleep in the bed. Right. They don't want people to be able to look at them through right. the window. I'm like, right. oh, all right. Well, we'll get some shade. Then. Just little things. 
Just those little things. I, it wouldn't have, like me. I'm laying in that bed, and there, someone can look at me through. Let them see me sleep. I don't care. <laughs> what? I got doors my eyes locked. Closed. I'm good. <laughs> right. The doors locked. <laughs> what have I got? You know, the cat says no. They need privacy. They need to be. Able, yeah. If they want to open the shades, then they can do that. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, all right, cool. <laughs> so there's just all these details that um, Kathy helped me with. You know, mm-hmm. um, but I'm, I, I want to do. I want to be able to do some more. Actually, acquire property for the purpose of um, having it as a short-term rental. Yeah. Um, I love that. So what you're saying is uh, that the trick is 50% occupancy. So 15 days a month is what you need to calculate your numbers on. So if you are, if you are acquiring a mortgage or you have any kind of financing on the property, you need to make sure that that monthly payment will be able to be covered if your property is rented out 15 days a month. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's a, that's a great tip. I like it. There's a lot of them. I, I mean, um, it, it's 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 a completely different business, and I and from looking at it, it looks like people are still figuring out new ways to take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. So I guess that you have your basics, and then there's so much more information and expanding um, the knowledge on that. Right. So yeah, and I think that's a, a really key point as well. Is that what we're actually speaking about is is investment, but it really is diversification. So one of the things I learned early on uh, in my real estate career is that you know if you're thinking about buying rentals, you have to think of it in this way: you're buying income, you're buying a stream of income. So the question is, how much are you going to pay for that stream of income? The beauty of the the short-term rentals is that you get a really high return on your investment, much higher than you do on just a single-family residence with long-term rental, right? It's kind of like the idea of buying apartments. The idea of, you know, if you're buying an apartment building, you're just buying, you know, a stream of income. So how much are you going to pay for that stream of income, right? And so, you know, that's a great question. Well, one of the things that a lot of people will say is, if you're looking at long-term rentals or if you're looking at buying and holding, you shouldn't you shouldn't hope for cash flow, like income kind of cash flow. So as opposed to, you know, a hundred or two hundred dollars a month, that's not real income, right? That's like that's nothing. I think if you're cash flowing on a property for a couple hundred dollars a month, you should put that money back into the bank account that manages that property. Because the chances are you're going to need to take that $200 a month to put it back into that property. That's a strategy that we utilize inside California because cash flowing a property for actual income is very difficult to do. We buy rentals in general for long-term equity. So the idea is that you have a tenant who is a renter who is paying off your mortgage and you get to appreciate the <laughs> – you get to experience or cash in on the appreciation or the, the increase in value which creates equity for you. Somebody else is paying off the asset. But what I'm experiencing now is that we get both in California. I mean do you realize that? That's what we're really talking about. So you could go to someplace like the Midwest where the properties are much, much cheaper so you can have a higher cash flow. So you could put down the same amount of money uh, in the Midwest as you could in California. You're going to experience two different ways of wealth, right? California, you get to experience equity, increases in equity. In the Midwest, theoretically, if you put down $50,000, let's just use a $50,000, right? $50,000 in California isn't going to buy you real income, but it'll buy you great appreciation. In the Midwest, $50,000 may buy you a very nice stream of income right? The idea that you can get both of those in California right now is, I mean, kind of amazing. It's like, it's like, think about that. 
we can now buy properties that we create real income in and we get to experience the appreciation. So, you know, I, I agree with you, but I also think that that's what we're experiencing because of how we acquire properties right. and what we do, right? Yeah. I don't think that's a, a general rule for everyone that's out there in California investing, mm-hmm. right? Because there's a very different dynamic with what we do and what mm-hmm. we teach and how we approach things, right? Where a lot of people are just looking at MLS. They're still doing the normal traditional things yeah. to get their properties, right? Yeah. It's like one that's being sold right now. I think they were looking for 360 on it, right? Yeah. Didn't leave a whole lot of margin, right? They left like a cap rate of like 5% or something silly. I don't agree with it. Right. right. You should be at eight or nine percent, and you need to do that by the acquisition. Yes. How you how you create the opportunity, right? Which is where we come in, and that's what we teach people is how to do that, so that you can actually experience what most people think is impossible. Yep. In California, right? So, so it's a big difference, I think. Yeah, I wonder if everybody gets that. Like, I don't know, Tim. What are you thinking? Because you're the engineer guy. So I'm watching his mind go ring, 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 ring. Yeah, you can see I his eyeballs even... flopping all over the place. <laughs> like uh, a spreadsheet's in front of him. The <laughs> truth is that that's exactly what was just happening, and I have all kinds of ideas for a whole new business model that I can't wait to share with you guys. Oh my god! But I uh, can't share it here. But literally, you just in this conversation, I have an idea for some stuff uh-huh. that uh, I think is pretty exciting. I'm excited about it. Really? Yeah. I'm going to share it with you guys when we get done with this podcast. Yeah. You know what's funny about, like, I wonder if you guys are thinking, who is that person speaking right now about all the numbers? Are you wondering that about me? Because I'm like, oh, this and that. Were you thinking, well, I know you. I appreciate that. Were you wondering that? No. John was looking at me like, who are you? No? What happened to you? (laughs) (laughs) So, go ahead. I was just going to say, we've been having these conversations for uh, a few weeks now, and um, you I was not questioning any of that. Oh, okay. We'll just say that. Well, sometimes I think. <laughs> I wasn't sure. You were? Yeah. No. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I, I do know that. I guess that's what I was saying last time we recorded. I was like, oh, my gosh, you have no idea how exciting this market that we're getting ready to enter into There's is going to be. So many different ways to do this now. And, yeah. and just through a conversation, you know, light bulbs hit and yep. ideas come about. So it's, it's, right. it's good. Good yeah. stuff. Um, I feel like we should probably end this podcast because I'm just dying to know what Tim has to share with us. I know, so, right? cliffhanger. Yeah, come on, cliffhanger. Man. So maybe maybe next time we come on and record, we'll share with you exactly what it is that Tim uh, had a light bulb moment on. But I'm really, really excited. The last thing I want to say is this. If you ever doubted the the power of the mastermind, um, this is proof right here that the mastermind is very, very real, which is, you know, people coming together, having a conversation about, you know, the, I know thoughts that go wrong along and float around in my mind all the time and I have aha moments and sometimes you just keep those to yourself and then they they lose their power but when you can just think out loud and share what your thoughts are uh, and that what the value that that brings to the other people that are in the middle of the conversation is just incredible and I think that's what makes our makes our group and our club just like so awesome it's why we do what we do better believe it so all right well um, this is the flipping off podcasters we are flipping out flipping off and flipping up go flip burgers and have some yeah, burgers. see ya bye 
I'm Melina Boswell, your host of the Flippin' Off podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, we'd love for you to subscribe, give us a five-star rating, and tell your friends all about us. You can find more episodes of the Flippin' Off podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever else you like to listen to awesome podcasts like this. If you like what you've heard, we'd really appreciate it if you'd follow us on Facebook and Instagram and tell us the stories that you'd like to hear. Tim Jackson is our senior producer. Luke Jackson is our editor. Brothers. Josh Maldine is our producer. Sound design by Frequency Factory. Our executive producer is Mind and Mill. This was all created by Dave Boswell for New Wealth Advisors Club.